The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Oh, you may have children in the car and you may have a decision to make as to whether you want them to hear the first item that we're starting the programme with. Because at what age is it appropriate to start talking with children about sex? Richie Sadlier is somebody who you know very well from as a television football pundit, but he's also a psychotherapist, something we've spoken to him a number of times about here on the programme. And he's made a really interesting documentary for RT, which airs this Thursday evening on RT2, Let's Talk About Sex. Richie, thank you very much for joining us. What age do you think should be the cut-off point for our listeners if they have children in the car? I leave that up to the parents, but it's weird to be sitting here thinking that an appearance of mine on the radio has to come with a warning beforehand. <laughs> but that's just the way of it now. But you can understand why, can't you? I mean, that there is a sort of a degree of sensitivity and almost squeamishness, isn't there, amongst many adults as to what age if any, they have conversations about sex or whether they leave it to somebody else to do it? I, I, I think it's a really important question. I, I don't, And I don't think parents are. I don't think parents should be glib about this because there is an age at which you've got to protect your children from from seeing or hearing or, or, or interacting with material or footage or conversations that they're just not old enough to comprehend or to make sense of. Um, but yeah, the documentary is, is out this Thursday, part one, part two is next Thursday, but it's kind of addressing that issue in relation to classrooms. Because in 2019, the government announced they were going to, they were going to review how RSE, Relationships and Sexuality Education, is being delivered in the country. So it's an acknowledgement and pretty much there's consensus on this that what's there at the moment could be improved. We'll put it that way. It's not really fit for purpose. And some of the curriculum was kind of outdated by about 20 years. So this review has been happening over the last few years. And I was approached in 2019, actually, by a production company. They said, listen, we'd like to do a documentary where we'd explore this issue. Um, so we would like to find out how the review is taking place, maybe get you talking to some of the people involved, politicians, the NCCA, teachers, parents, school principals, and the real interesting bit for me was they asked me, would it be okay if they brought cameras in the classrooms with me as I do my kind of sexual health workshops with transition year students? So that's kind of all the content of the documentary. But the central question behind it is the one you've just asked, like, at what age do you broach certain topics with students in classrooms and who decides? And is the classroom necessarily the best place to start? Because there's differing maturities, isn't there, mm. between various children. So what might be suitable for some children early in secondary school or even primary school may not be with others until perhaps later in life. Exactly. There's this phrase that we're all familiar with, it's like age appropriate. Yeah. But it kind of, as you said, it kind of is a bit dismissive of the fact that not all eight-year-olds are the same. Not all 12-year-olds or 16-year-olds are the same. And you're kind of aiming to get it at the right development stage. But again, all youngsters develop at their own pace. So these are complex questions. But the starting point we, 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 we started from was that what's there at the moment is widely regarded as not being good enough. So go why isn't it good enough? <laughs> Well, if you think about the issues that young people are navigating today compared to, say, 20 years ago when some of the current curriculum was, was, was created, the existence of social media, um, the online world, the internet, cameras, which come with camera phones, the, the behavioural like sexting and online porn. 
the availability of all that. Everyone has a phone in their pocket at, from a very young age. It's very difficult to be a parent now and, and be the one who tells your teenager you're the one who's not going to have a phone. So their world has changed. So our approach is to help them navigate that world. They've got to change too. So a lot of the issues are, 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 are more than just, you know, what's the right age at which to bring in certain topics. But it's like, what support is going to be given for teachers to roll this stuff out? Um, do parents have a voice in the conversation as well? Because you would imagine they should have school principals. And a central issue in the whole thing in this com- in this country is, at the moment, there's a line in the current curriculum which says that the schools can deliver the current curriculum in line with, I think, the characteristic spirit or the ethos of their school, which is like saying to every school, listen, here's the curriculum, but take or leave the bits that you like. It's up to you. Um, and I suppose it's like the, 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 the immediate thing that comes to your mind is because so many schools are under Catholic ethos. So it's giving schools a veto of whatever they want. You go into a lot of schools, transition mm. your programs. What type of schools bring you in? Do schools, for example, with a Catholic ethos bring you in? Oh, yeah. I, I, I haven't found... Well, yeah, I've been into to lots of different schools, non-denomination ones and, and ones that have a Catholic ethos. And the, the, one of the questions that we're kind of grappling with is... like. Should all youngsters in this country receive the same education at the same age or should we leave it up to every individual school to teach it as they see fit? Now, if you keep a line in the current, in, in as it exists at the moment, where you allow every school to do it in line with their own ethos, you allow schools to kind of pick and choose. Um, I'm, I'm mindful of the, the people who might be listening to this, I don't want to be too explicit, but let's say condoms or, or, or birth control measures like some schools might not want that to be a part of the youngsters thinking and um, some parents mightn't either um, but a lot of people would see that as kind of a central common sense aspect of any modern education curriculum for young people living in the world today it's to help them protect themselves and each other from the spread of diseases just like we did in COVID. You just common sense stuff. Here's, here's the infections. Here's the symptoms. Here's the treatment. Here's how you protect yourself. You mitigate the risk. Go off and live. Like, so that kind of thing. But so there's lots of range of views. So the really kind of interesting thing about this documentary for me, why I went into it is because there's no snappy answer you can give at the start of this. Like it's complex stuff. Um, and it's virtually impossible to get consensus on this either. Like even people who come forward and say, it's up to parents to decide what their youngsters should get taught. I work with loads of families in my practice where the parents within the family don't even agree. So it's not like parents think and speak with one voice. Um, so that's an additional question and also in, in, on top of the fact that schools see it differently. But the stars of this program in many respects are the transition your students, they are aren't they? absolutely the stars. Um, and exceptionally mature and deep thinking about the issues in most cases? I'd say yes and no. Yes okay. in that they're deep thinking and they're articulate and they're able to grasp the issues. The bit I disagree with is that they're exceptional. I don't think it's the exception. Every single time I go into a group of youngsters, teenagers, particularly about transition year age group, if you go in without any awkwardness, so you're not avoiding eye contact, you're not avoiding topics, every question is acceptable, every topic is okay, you can give whatever opinion you want and no one will give out to you. And, and you just kind of say, guys, what, what do you want to learn about? And when you kind of give them 
ownership of the process and just go, right, guys, this is a really exciting, potentially pleasurable, positive, interesting and complex and potentially fraught area of your life, but let's talk about it and let's learn about it. Like, all teenagers are engaged in that. It's the easiest sell in the world to go into a room of teenagers and goes, guys, let's learn about sex. They all want to know. Um, but I just think sometimes the approach that we as adults take is, is it kind of doesn't facilitate that. That that curiosity or that openness or that eagerness to learn or, or, or all the things they want to say, we, we don't facilitate it. But in this documentary, like it was a really ambitious thing that we set out to do. Like I, I, I kind of comfortable what to do with a load of teenagers in a room when it's coming to talk about these topics. But what I don't have huge experience in is how do you do that when there's a camera crew present? So I went to meet a group of transition year students in day one. A lot of them hadn't met each other. So it was a newly formed group and they hadn't met me. And we were there to talk about the general topic of relationships and sex. And there was a camera crew presence. So like the like sound guys and camera crews. And so there was loads of what you might call obstacles there to create what we were there to hopefully create. But the students were, they were, they were brilliant. And like some people have seen the documentary, some of the people I've spoken to outside our little circle of the production team and everyone's comment is the same. Says those teenagers are brilliant, and it's. It, I actually this morning I'm just come from it. We were in Dundrum Cinema. We kind of got the use of one of the screens for the morning. The students got a day off, a morning off school, and we all watched it together as a group. And one of the things I got to say to them afterwards is, I've in in lots of chats like this over the last few years, I've been kind of advocating for young people in relation to their readiness and their eagerness and their. And how it's appropriate to have these conversations at this age. And I would often get people looking at me going, you sure? Like 15, is that not a bit? And people like me and you or people our age remember when we were 15, God, we wouldn't have been able to have these conversations. And I keep going, teens today are different. And I don't have to say that anymore because this I'll have demonstrated it. A few the evidence things, is there. A few things I want to ask you, but how important is it, do you think, to have co-educational schools where boys and girls are together rather than single-sex education, for actually having a healthier understanding of respect and the various issues involved in sexuality? I, I, I'm, I, I don't know how much I can say. Probably the producers are, in me are saying, be careful about how much you talk about, wait till the documentary's out. But there's a scene in it where we have a workshop on online porn and there's about a 10-minute footage of this. And the last few minutes, I, for the, for the only time when we're together as a group, I separate them in terms of boys and girls and ask the girls to go off and discuss what do you expect of yourselves sexually in your future sex lives based on what you've seen in porn? And I asked the lads the same question. And then we all came in together as a group and sh- listened to one another's answers. The impact of the boys hearing from the girls and the girls hearing from the boys I won't be able to do it justice now by explaining okay, it, but when really you see the scenes, because I think, I just don't think it's, it, it's not particularly fit for purpose, but I, I don't know what the benefit would be of deliberately keeping them apart. There's almost an assumption there, of course, that everyone's heterosexual, but obviously in the classrooms there are going to be members of the LGBTQ plus community, some of whom may not have come out, some who may still be coming to terms with their sexuality, who might be anxious and concerned. So does the actual classroom setting necessarily always suit everybody for these discussions because of their own particular circumstances? There's always a thing that I say to teenagers when I'm with them, it's like to, to... 
get involved to your own level of comfort. Be really open and you won't get judged from me, but also box clever. So remember that your words will be heard by others. So be prudent with what you share. So some people, like you said, they might be grappling with some questions about their own sexuality and they may or not be comfortable talking about this. Others might be quite open about it. So there's always a thing that whether it's sexuality or anything else, you're always kind of urging young people to to be prudent and, and not to be reckless of what they talk about because this is like this is a really personal area. Like you, you don't want to be too open and too big a group about what's going on in your own life, particularly when you're a teenager. Given that you mentioned about the online amount of pornography that's available, yeah. what do you make of this thing going on at the moment of complaints about the books in our school, in our libraries, our public libraries, and people trying to have them banned? I mean, is that really going to make any difference when you consider everything that unfortunately is available to teenagers online? I, I, I think I, I've been in this field for a long, long time now, and when you get to a stage, and, and footage of this is in, the, is in the documentary, when you get to a stage where teenagers just talk openly, you, you'll get a sense of just how commonplace and normal and how just used to seeing pornographic footage on a daily basis. They don't have to go looking on their phone. It'll, some, they'll add some account on Instagram and it'll be some bot and they'll be sent porn. They'll go on to other, the kids on the documentary explain this. So back in our day, let's sit here and talk like two elfless for a moment. Back in our day, you had to do a lot of work to go finding pornographic material. Now there's, you, you don't even have to go looking for it. It will come for you. That's where young people are getting the majority of their messaging. It's not from reading books in libraries. It's just not. Um, so if we step back and kind of have a hands-off approach, because it's awkward for teenagers or it's tricky for the people who put their curriculum together or it's complex because schools have different ethos or it's a bit more difficult because one parent might think differently to another parent, fine, there's understandable reasons to back away, but that means you're letting youngsters learn from porn because that's the only place to getting consistent messages. And, and you don't want young people to learn about sex and relationships from watching pornographic material. And when you talk to them and they're open and honest about it, you, you, you become really, again, this is in the document, you become really concerned for them. So that kind of, in my head anyway, just always re-emphasizes the need for us to make sure we're doing everything we can in this area. You won't come up with a curriculum or any kind of a teaching method which will prevent them from saying or doing things they regret or from getting their heart broken or hurting other people. That's the world of relationships. But you, you can help them with their decision making or, or distinguish between what's appropriate and not, what's healthy and not. We have to leave it there. This Thursday evening, the following Thursday evening, and also available on the RT player, but it's on RT2 after the football this Thursday evening when Ireland plays France in the uh, in the European Championship qualifier, quarter past ten, RT2. Let's talk about sex. Richie Sadler, thank you very much for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today, F-